push through and punch through a vision with passion, a vision with passion. Hey, everybody. Hi. Welcome back to Purpose by Design podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. We have a very special podcast today. We actually have a two-parter. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? So today you get to hear part two of Miss Minnesota International's incredible interview. It was so rich and so full of her experience and her expertise. I had to divide it into two. So I know today is going to be a blessing for you. So go grab your cup of coffee or tea and get ready to just soak in all that Miss Minnesota International has to share with you today. Would you welcome with me, Demi Radiva. So to be able to give back to this community that gave me so much um, was a huge reward. Little did I know that just a few short, short months later, we would lose everything again. It was a really cold morning. Um, it was September um, in Minnesota. It was really absolutely frigid. And I remember it was kind of like maybe around 9 a.m. on a weekend. And my mom had just decided to color her hair. So she came in my room and was like, can you wake up so you can help watch your brother and I can go, you know, shower so I can take the color off. I get up and I go over to him. He's watching cartoons and um, it was, there's just something off that morning. I just remember hearing footsteps outside. Usually it's very, very quiet. And so something just kind of made me to like get up and I look through the peep hole. I'm not seeing anything. And then I open the door and a huge pile of smoke just hits my face. Oh my gosh. And I remember just a black figure standing there and being like, get out, get out now. You need to run outside. But no one came in. No one, you know, came in to help or anything like that. So I went to my room. I didn't even have pants on. So I really just put some, some jeans on the t-shirts that I had slept in and grabbed my brother. And I went to try and get my mom. So I'm knocking and knocking and knocking and she's not answering. And I'm literally screaming. I'm like, mom, you need to get out right now. There's a fire. And I, um, for a second there, I didn't know what to do. I just felt like, you know, this is my mom. You know, I have to save her somehow. Um, but I felt like, I felt like I just, I have to go. Yeah. So I grabbed my brother and immediately just um, exited the building. And the moment I exited the building, I see, I look up and I see right above, I see right above our apartment, huge flame just burning everywhere. Above your apartment. Above my apartment where we were living. And I just, I know my mom is in there and I can see those flames burning through that roof. And I literally thought we lost her. Um, I literally, I just thought she's gone. So then when a few months, moments later, I just look and she's just running out of the apartment, completely covered in soap, completely wet. <laughs> she was just soaking with the towel on and 
you know, I think she had grabbed her purse or something, (laughs) just runs out. Um, That was such a, you know, moment of relief, um, but also heartbreak because I knew, I just knew that nothing was going to be the same. Um, So, you know, the three of us, my mom, my brother and I, my dad was at work at the time. He was working um, 12 hour shifts. So he had left really, really early to go to work. And um, I just remember standing on the sidewalk with her and, um, you know, her just being like, we're, we're done. We're done. Like everything, all our documents, all our, you know, clothes or all our, every, everything was just, it's just gone. Yeah, and the firemen and the firemen in that moment, they were just standing there. And I was just, I couldn't understand. I kept looking at people around me being like, why aren't they putting water in there? Um, I mean, later we found out that it's, they needed to let the roof burn in order to get water in and to put out the fire. But in that moment, just watching everyone sit there and not do anything was so heartbreaking. And so, um, you know, we thought we, and, and, and we're recent immigrants too, all of the documents, everything was in there and we, like, no one picked up any phones, wallets, nothing. So no IDs. How would we even identify who we are? We had no identity, you know, is what we were thinking. Until, you know, later we were able to recover some of that. Um, fortunately, we were able to recover some of that because without these documents, it's like you're, you're no one. Right. Um, so we, you know, thankfully we survived it. Um, and I just remember the community being so amazing. I remember in that moment, my guidance counselor, because we lived right across the high school. So my guidance counselor had seen the flames. Um, Actually, at the time, I was tutoring calculus. And the student that I was tutoring, she was playing a tennis tournament. And the tennis courts were right across from the apartment building as well. And she, she told me, like, she was playing tennis. And she's just seeing flames in my apartment where she would come and study with me. And she just dropped everything was like, I'm done. I I don't care about losing this tournament. My friends in there, I need to go. And so, you know, all of a sudden I had a friend come and bring me flip flops. My, one of my uh, teachers gave me a jacket in that moment because I I was barefoot sitting on, you know, this, this frozen sidewalk and it was just such an incredible experience to go through, but the community, um, those churches that we lived right next to, too, they did food drives, clothes drives in the following months. Um, and we unfortunately didn't have any kind of relatives to actually go stay with. So the Red Cross was able to give us temporary housing. And all of these community supports, I mean, without them, I don't know that we would have ever been able to to make it to where we are today. We are, I am where I am, and I am talking to all of you today because of my community. Yes, yes, absolutely you are. And you're not the only one crying, okay? I've been wiping my eyes too. <laughs> Just so you know. I'm sure there's many listening that are emotional about this. You are, I mean, there's that old saying about being a product of your environment. At least that's an American thing. I don't know if you've heard that growing up before you came to America. But usually somebody says you're a product of your environment. It's a negative thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But here you are literally a product 
of your environment, literally. And, and this is a positive product that you are. And one other thing that came to me when you were sharing all of this was in the scriptures where it talks about, you know, being a cheerful giver and reaping and sowing. And when you give, it comes back to you. And you have demonstrated this in what you've told us of how you positioned yourself in life to volunteer. That's giving, that, you know, serving, giving, and how you really, I believe, we're sowing all these seeds into not just your future, but your family's future um, throughout all of that, because here you were in a time of need and, you know, it all came right back to you, what you and your family needed. And then you're going to continue telling us because you didn't say, okay, well, I got what I needed. I'm a product of my environment. You were like, okay, now I am pumped about this. I have to give more, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what you've done. So anyways, I wanted to to just throw that in there, please continue, continue with your story. I appreciate it. I appreciate that so much. Um, I think everybody goes through adversity in life. We, we all have a story. And when I work with, when I work with students, high school students, I create these little kids. So whoever's on camera and watching this, they can see a little kit here. Um, I won't go into too much. Uh, it's a planting kit. There's a bunch of fun stuff in there. But one of the things that I include in every, in every kit is a little crown. And what this crown symbolizes is, you know, for every student, every student has a story. And everyone with a story you know, this crown, this is what it gives me the power to do is to share my story. And so I, I asked them, what is a story that, you know, would encourage someone else that you can share with them? What is a story that you believe can change someone's life in a positive way? And that is what I encourage them to, to do. Um, but that's what this crown means to me. It's just giving me the, the, the opportunity, um, to share my story at an even greater scale. I mean, a lot of my friends know this experience. A lot of my friends experience this right next to me. Um, and so they know, you know, what I stand for, what I've gone through, but now I'm talking to you and I, all of these listeners are going to hear this story and, and hopefully be able to, you know, learn something from it, um, share it with someone else and, and, you know, probably hopefully get a little piece of inspiration um, from it as well to, to share, uh, to share and to, to give something back. Yes. So that's just a big pause here because <laughs> this was a lot, What it, you know, it was a big, big experience for me and my family. Um, and I was just, after that moment, I realized the power, the power of just the community coming together and, and helping you. If we didn't have that community, we would not be in the same place. Um, and I, again and again and again, I had situations in my life where it was all about, you know, the community coming together and helping me make it through um, whatever that difficult moment um, would have been. So, um, you know, after fast forward, <laughs> fast forward I um at the time this happened right before my senior year actually and I remember I didn't even know if I was going to graduate let alone make it to university or study what I had always dreamed to study 
back home in Bulgaria, I had studied English because I wanted to be a diplomat one day. I wanted to work internationally. Yeah. And that's the only reason why I knew some English before we moved to the States. <laughs> um, the entrance exams are very tough and you need to know at least two languages. So I had tried to start early. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't know in that moment, there's all these things happening. We had just lost our home. Um, we were, we didn't even know what planet we were on um, at that point in time. So I just was hoping, you know, to, to just graduate. I didn't know. I was a first generation university student in America. I mean, both my parents had gone to university back home in Bulgaria, but no one was familiar with the system here. I didn't really have, um, you know, someone to, to show me. Um, I was very grateful for all the, the counselors that were in the school that could help uh, with the application process. But I remember applying to 10 plus schools and everyone thought that was crazy. But I wasn't sure, you know, would I even get into any of the schools that I applied to? What is the process? Um, how do I narrow it down? And um, now, just, you know, a year ago, I actually started teaching at the university. So it's amazing to go from a place where I didn't even know if I was going to graduate high school to now I'm actually teaching graduate level students of the university. You teach graduate level students. That yes. <laughs> is amazing. Wow. Thank you. Beautiful I'm very, <laughs> I'm very passionate about um, health system change. And I have spent most of my career in, um, in the healthcare industry and specifically focused on reimbursement. So health insurance, health benefits. And I think when I think about making scale a change, uh, uh, making change at scale, where is the most powerful place that you can be to influence and create that change to happen? And so for me, um, that immediately directed me here to United Healthcare, which is one of the largest yep. healthcare companies in the world. So the ability to make change happen at scale is is absolutely available, and all the resources that are uh, made available to us as employees there, it's, it's amazing. Um, and so I actually, right now in my role, focus very much on our most vulnerable population, so the Medicaid population, and I'm working on um, our health equity and disparity strategy and trying to formulate that for, for the business. So I feel very grateful to be able to use my position of privilege and power to be able to change the system for better for um, for for those who cannot do that for themselves. Mm. Yes, yeah. you're using your power for good. <laughs> Thank you. That is really um, awesome. Yeah, so that is that is my current um, kind of position. And prior to that, so right around the time when I got involved with pageantry, I was director of enterprise strategy and I owned the enterprise strategy and nutrition. So that is where I learned a lot about nutrition and the fact that um, it is one of the most powerful things we can change about ourselves that can completely change our life for the better. Um, in the data that I get to see every day as, as someone in public, in the public health space and, and looking at claims data and information, 
I can tell you unquestionably that diet is one of the biggest risk factors to disease later on in life. And so that is, you know, such a, such a powerful place to focus on just because it can mean life or death. It can mean really early life, you know, death, and it can mean a lot of very expensive treatments and it, uh, just suffering for people that is unnecessary. Um, and so that's, that was one key reason to why I wanted to focus on childhood nutrition and my platform. Yeah. And I, you know, we've been so caught up in everything we've been talking about. <laughs> I, I haven't even asked you to tell us about your platform. I think we understand a good bit of it, but is there anything that you want to highlight for us about mm-hmm. your platform? Absolutely. So like I said, um, my platform is called Food for Thought. A little play on words here. And I'm really focused on empowering the future generation through better nutrition. And I can't do all of that by myself. I need every single one of you, all of your health collectively. Um, I can't protect our our health system from going bust uh, because the demographics, the amount of chronic disease that we are seeing, it's really overwhelming. And so just trying to think about how can we finance this? It's really unsustainable, the point that we, that we have reached. And um, it's not just the fact that it's financially unsustainable, but also um, people having to, kids, kids today are getting the conditions and diseases that didn't um, exist and parents, you know, their parents never had to deal with that are chronic, that are debilitating, that are um, really, really just painful. And so, you know, my my vision um, is to live in a world where we're free of chronic disease that's caused by diet-related causes. And my mission is to provide access to uh, to free, delicious, fresh, nutritious foods to all school-age children because Healthy habits are easy to learn early in life, but they're really hard. Once we have the habits set in place, they're really hard to change later in life. And if we can focus on um, creating a healthy body during that childhood, that can have huge benefits over over a lifetime. And, you know, if, if one is unhealthy and unwell, you know, when we fall ill, that, that is all we can focus on. That is all we can think about. Um, all, we can, all we need to do is, you know, focus on getting better. And that takes all of our energy, all of our effort, and leaves us drained with completely no energy to work toward any goals, to be able to give back to anyone, to be able to spend time with our families or on our hobbies or interests, right? So our health and wellness are so essential to our success in life. And just like uh, nutrition is essential to our health and wellness. So it's A, B, and B, C, (laughs) very much connected. And having spent years working in the health system domestically and abroad, um, I can tell you that, you know, diet is the number one risk factor for disease globally. Uh, There's a global burden of disease report that gets published every few years. An unhealthy diet contributes to things like cardiovascular disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, which are associated with millions of deaths every single year. Um, 
So not only is our life, you know, cut short and we become um, so focused on, on just managing our condition that we cannot really work toward fulfilling our purpose and um, really, you know, giving back and, and, and those things. Um, but not only are people dying, according to the American Medical Association, chronic illness has doubled in, in children in the U.S. They're sicker today than their parents' generation. And so when you think about, you know, sustainability and um, our friends and neighbors, so financial sustainability, but also our friends and neighbors and their wellness, um, it, it's really a, a pan, it, it's literally a pandemic. Sure. It's that scale of an issue that we're dealing, dealing with here. And this is a, you know, this is an important issue for everyone because of the impact diet has in our bodies, but also in our minds. Not only does it have physiological, but also psychological effects. Um, it impacts our longevity, you know. Uh, so instead of living until you're 70, 89 years old, we're much more likely to have a heart attack or, or some of these conditions and um, unfortunately pass away. The financial burden is the kind of second piece as to why we should think about this is having cancer, having some of these chronic conditions can be very costly. I mean, yeah. diabetics have to pay huge amounts of money for insulin. And so in order to, to manage their condition um, and, and it's just sustain, it's not sustainable for each individual person to be paying that amount of money for insulin, but it's critical for their livelihood. So people turn to things like rationing their insulin and that can be very damaging. It can have long lasting effects for their health. Um, so, you know, those are a, a couple of key things to really think about. And I think, you know, this is why we need to step up and take ownership of our own health. This is what happened to my mom. A few years ago, we were actually back home vacationing in Bulgaria. We were on the beach, enjoying everything. And I just remember my dad and I, for some reason, looked at our, looked at mom and her feet were so swelled up. Um, I mean, we had never seen anything like it. And she had told us earlier in the day she wasn't feeling very well, very, very hot. And next thing I remember is like, we're in the emergency room and, she, you know, all of a sudden she's being told um, she has a heart condition. And um, when we asked the doctor, you know, what's going on? Is she going to make it? Like she was, she was fine. But he said, you know, there is no cure for this. This is a lifestyle condition. You have to change your lifestyle if you want to live. Otherwise, come around tomorrow, next day, you can have another emergency and the results will be different. You will no longer be here. Yeah. So my mom had to take, you know, ownership of her health. And um, she was prescribed all kinds of different medications to control and manage her symptoms and condition. And she had a horrible side effects to them. So after trying like three, four different um, prescriptions, she had to face the reality. What if I just change what I eat? Sure. And it was amazing within um, six months of, you know, focusing on definitely eating a lot more kind of fruits and vegetables and bearing back on um, some sort of kind of breads and cakes and lots and lots of candy. My 
my grandma, my mom's mom used to be a baker. So my mom was very, very much has a sweet tooth. Um, she was used to that kind of food, but, you know, being able to um, kind of mitigate that and manage it and have, you know, have a piece of chocolate here and there, but not a daily practice. So changing some of those habits and practices um, made a huge difference for a difference for her. And she went into remission. So all of her symptoms went away. Wow. All, you know, and it was just changing the diet. It was not simple. It was not easy. It's a, right. it's a hard thing to do, but um I am so glad that mom made that change and she's still here with us um, as difficult as it, as difficult as, as it has been. But, you know, so the first thing is we have to put our own mask on. The second thing is we have to put the mask on those who can't help themselves. Right. Right. And so today there are systematic and institutional barriers that exist that unfortunately, you know, in our current reality, they prevent us from having that better future. So when I think to childhood nutrition, something like, um, you know, free lunch and, and having school, uh, schools have salad bars, schools allowing for kids to take fruit with them without having to pay for it, things like that, subsidizing, you know, healthy foods could be really, really powerful way to um, influence and build those healthy habits early on, um, especially in schools where we have a ton of peer pressure and everyone is sort of watching what everybody's eating. And we have all kinds of marketing happening here in the U.S., specifically targeted at children and the foods that they eat. So, you know, it's a very important thing for us to be able to put the mask on for others to help break down some of these systemic barriers that, that exist um, and, and to empower, you know, the younger generation to be able to learn what food comes from to empower them to grow their own food too if they want to to um to empower them to just nourish their their bodies because their your body is is your forever home it's your it's your temple and um like i said there's nothing else you can focus on if if there's something wrong going on and you feel unwell and lastly i would say um Creating alliances. That's why I partner with the Lifetime Foundation and with the American Heart Association, because I believe they really are two powerful organizations that we align in our vision, we align in our mission, we're really working toward those same goals. And, um, you know, creating alliances between people, institutions, communities, just reaching out, sharing your story, I think that can be really powerful. So I think one of the things you had asked me is, to share something actionable. How can the listeners make change happen? Yeah. One, make change happen for you first. Feel better, eat healthier. Two would be help someone else change their life. If they've reached out, they've asked for you to share any tips and guidance on what you've done and how you've made change happen in your life, share that with them. And three, I would say, you know, do donate, volunteer, advocate to share your story it doesn't have to be anything elaborate too just something as simple as having a conversation can be very very powerful um, to to get others excited and thinking about um, how they can make positive change happen in their life you could also follow me on social media i share a lot of helpful tips and stories um, so you know that's another way that you can take action <laughs> if that is what you like how can people follow you? Where would they find yes, you? So, 
Yeah, I am on most active, I would say, on Instagram. I'm a very visual uh, person. And so on Instagram, you can find me at Miss Minnesota International. It's Miss M-N-I-N-T-L. And I I think you have the link, so hopefully you can share those. That will all be in the Perfect. And then the same on Facebook. So it's facebook.com and then slash Miss MN International. So INTL. Um, that's where you can you can find all the content that I share with everyone. I also have a website, MissDemi.org. I have a contact form on there. So if you ever want to do anything fun, like a planting kit with a local school, if you want to book a speaking engagement with me, I'm happy to come talk to you. Um, or your, you know, community group or your business. And so feel free to reach out on there as well. Oh, that is beautiful. I love the little crowns in that, in those little <laughs> plants. Yeah. That is beautiful. I just love that. Well, Demi, this has been so inspiring. And again, you're like a little celebrity, you know what I mean? Like you have the crown, you have the, you have the, Thank you. the title, you're, you know, you are. And to hear the story of how you became, I mean, you have earned it, girl. You have earned it and you're paying it forward in so many, so many different ways. Before we close, is there anything else that you wanted to share or say that you didn't get to? Trust the process. Trust God. Yes. Which you have done. And that obviously doesn't mean that everything is easy, right? just me absolutely not (laughs) but in that process when it seems like it's just chaos Mm -hmm. you know it's always mm -hmm. constant right yes what were you going to say there there was one thought that came to mind actually right as I was kind of about to get on here um it was I feel like that um when someone says that they're a believer people think oh everything must be you know so easy and rosy uh, for them, you know, and have that kind of being a believer. No, you're still going through all of the adversity, through all of these, um, through all of this pain and still experiencing and feeling in the same way. But I feel like, you know, being a believer, just you're, you're hopeful, you're filled with hope and you're trusting and you know that there is a greater power that is, helping you make sense of all of this along the way and actually turn all the negatives into positives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you have a hope that others that don't yet know what we know that, and and it's, and it's not anything that we know here, right? It's, it's Mm -hmm. something that we have experienced here. Uh, I will say often, yeah, I know that God is real because I just talked to him this morning. because I did that's real to me and when we have that type of authenticity in our in a supernatural relationship with God then no matter what is coming there is literally a power greater than me that will help me and pull me through that right so just like you said it doesn't mean that we don't go through anything it just means that there are times when we can just say, I can't do this, but I can do this, but I, I need your strength. I need your help. And you've been mm-hmm. there. I mean, I can't imagine standing out 
coming out, coming, I'm looking at it as your mom, like coming out as a mom in a towel, you know, and everything going up in smoke, literally, or as a, as a teenage gal, young woman standing there holding your baby brother, wondering where is my mom? And then mm-hmm. having that, that, those awful feelings of what's going to happen now. And yet, no matter what happens, we can trust the process because mm-hmm. God is good, right? And look at what he's done in you, my gosh. <laughs> this has been so great. Thank you so much, Demi, for being Thank here. you for having me. Oh, with your crown and your sash. And yes, this has been just awesome. And thank you for being real. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for being vulnerable today and not just putting on a happy face. And yeah, you were, you were, you brought it. And, and I know that everybody has appreciated that. And I know they will be following you because you're the real deal girl. (laughs) You know, it's a struggle sometimes how, how vulnerable should one get? Um, But it is what I've lived through. It is, from my eyes, from my experience, yes. um, and and no one can take that away from me. It's it's what I felt, and um, yeah, it's 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 just what it is. So um, I can't change it. I can't change it, and I don't want to change it because it has led me to where I am today, right. and and to talking to you and meeting you, and um, I'm so grateful for that. Yes, we have so much to be grateful for it. I'm so grateful to have met you and to be able to share you with my awesome community. And we'll stay in touch. We'll have to have you come back in a few months here and tell us how things are going and how your rain is raining and all of that fun stuff. Would you come back sometime and share with us what's going on? Absolutely, I would love to. We have yeah. nationals coming up in July. Okay. I'm very excited. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be happening in Tennessee, and um, I get to go there and meet some wonderful, amazing women that are making change happen in their communities. Yes. And um, yeah, I'm, I would be happy to come back. Absolutely. That would be great. You are a world changer. That's for sure. <laughs> well, thank you to all of the listeners that are here with us today. We appreciate you. And I know that this message, or not message, this story with a message has been a blessing to you. Please follow in the description, look in the description and get all the information so you can follow this woman and and get on the bandwagon with her and let's make a difference in our communities. You know, you are, she, Demi's an example of what that means to be a product of your environment. So let's make a difference in our communities. As always, thank you for coming to the podcast. You have a purpose by design. And remember, you are the salt and the light in the world. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Demi, for being here. Thank you.